Good morning, Oliver. Hi there, is that Steve? <laughs> How are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you? Well, very good. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, taking the time here because uh, I'm fascinated with this subject and uh, I think more people need to know about it, obviously. Um, and, and Oliver, uh, Oliver Millman, that's, that's good pronunciation, it looks like. Okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. yeah. And the insect crisis. Okay. And you're, you're, uh, I just looked online briefly. Um, you're making, you know, quite a, a splash with this. I mean, you, you've got speaking engagements here and there, and it sounds like uh, you're waking some folks up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I have to say, I wasn't looking forward to this portion of the process of book publishing, the, the kind of self-promotional talk. Right. <laughs> doesn't, come doesn't come naturally to me. Well, really yeah, but you know what? It's, it, I, and I'll look at it from the other side, and that's this is my lifelong learning class here. And, uh, you know, when I see things like this, and I used to cover ag for the uh, local paper here, and, you know, you always felt that insects were just a problem always a problem you know it's so how do we get rid of this how yeah. do we get rid of that um we're talking with oliver millman the author of the insect crisis and your point is the problem is we're losing we're losing some of these uh, insects uh, in a big way correct yeah that's right i mean it's like you say we we've traditionally kind classes insects as you know hugely abundant and, and an issue, a pest or, or, or some sort of nuisance. But um, I think it's increasingly become clear through various pieces of research that their numbers are crashing in many parts of the world, including the United States of America. Um, and that has profound consequences for us in terms of our food security, in, for, in terms of the health of our ecosystems, our forests, our grasslands, and so on, and also just the, um, the structure of life as we know it. I mean, if, even if you don't care about insects you might love birds because um, birds feed on insects and, and they're in decline in some places because of a lack of insects so yeah it's a kind of wide-ranging multifaceted problem around us yet oliver what do you say to people who go when they hear about this maybe for the first time they go well good riddance i mean i don't need all these bugs around me anyway you know that's why we have exterminators what what's your response to that yeah, well, I think it's I think it's important to kind of remember that there's what like a million named species of insect. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, not every one of those is one we want to have around. Uh, I mean, what do we think of fondly of those million that we know about? Maybe the odd bee or the old butterfly. We don't think fondly of mm -hmm. uh, kind of cockroaches or mosquitoes or bed bugs, for example. But the, the problem is that we are creating a world that's more favorable for those insects that we don't like around and less favorable for the ones that uh, we do value. So, I mean, for example, mosquitoes uh, will do quite well in an era of climate change. They like warm and damp conditions, so their range is expanding. Um, uh, cockroaches, the two species of cockroach we see around our homes that we detest, the German and American cockroach, they enjoy kind of uh, more people, more waste, kind of sprawling populations, that sort of thing. So um, it's not like all insects are going to die out, not like all insects are, um, you know, uh, ones we, we want to have around. But those are the conditions we're creating, unfortunately. Talking with Oliver Millman, the author of The Insect Crisis. And the, the idea here is that 
we're doing things in our environment that obviously are, uh, you know, causing this problem, causing the, the loss of, of, as you say, some of the beneficial or uh, less bothersome insects, if, if we want to be, you know, silly about it. But th this is what, uh, because of pesticides, of chemicals, or what, what do you feel are some of the causes of the problem? Yeah, so there's, there's many different um, issues and a lot of them overlap. The big three are habitat loss. Um, we've converted uh, forests and grasslands and wildfire meadows that insects thrive in into, we've turned them into kind of monocultural tracts of farmland uh, with just a single crop, uh, nothing that much there for insects to eat. Uh, we farm right up to the border so that uh, there isn't even any kind of weed or hedgerow or anything like that at the border of crop fields. Uh, and we've right. also obviously paved over a lot of land with highways and uh, urban sprawl and so on. Um, the second thing we've done is we've not only cleared the land of any anything to eat or any kind of shelter for insects, we've doused it and bombarded it with poison. Um, pesticide use is, you know, ubiquitous across the US, this class of... Uh... Oops, are you going? Um, uh, and the third thing is climate change. We are pushing insects beyond their tolerable range of, of, of heat uh, and precipitation patterns are changing too. Uh, we're scrambling the seasons. Spring is arriving about 20 days earlier than it once did in parts of the US. And that is throwing off this whole procession of uh, interactions that happen when spring arrive. You think about flowers budding and insects emerging, uh, birds, birds kind of coming to dine on those insects. We, we've thrown that whole relationship out of kilter. Um, so we've done quite a few things. So there's light pollution as well that affects fireflies. Um, uh, we, we've essentially created a quite a hostile environment for insects. And, you know, given that, you know, this, this move is or this uh, word is getting out now and your book obviously plays a role in this and and others that are speaking to this point what is one what what is what do you su suggest to people because i mean somebody might be saying is this is this something i can control or can take a part in or what, what do you say to that yeah i mean there are kind of big changes i think that need to happen around uh, banning certain pesticides, land, land uh, use reform so that farmers are encouraged to have, uh, you know, borders or wildflowers that go through the land rather than this kind of monocultural kind of deserts. Uh, so there are things that people can do at home if you have a backyard. Um, let the grass grow a bit because insects can't really do anything with short, short mown lawns. Um, it's a bit of a kind of manicured hellscape for them. Um, don't rake the leaves in your yard. Uh, again, that's a home for insects. Don't use chemicals around your, your backyard and your home as much. Uh, plant native, um, you know, plants that are uh, attractive for native pollinators. Um, consider switching to organic food in some instances. I mean, there are, there are actions that people can do in their everyday lives that can, that can help. Now, you cite, I think, in your book, that uh, some countries have taken, you know, have been a little more pro proactive than, say, perhaps the United States in banning uh, certain, I think, a, a pesticide? Yeah, that's right. So the European Union has banned the three worst types of neonicotinoid chemicals uh, for, um, uh, for insects. Um, I mean, the, 
to, to put these in context, if you think about the days of Silent Spring, that famous book by Rachel Carson, she she kind of helped through that book um, uh, place restrictions uh, through via lawmakers on DDT, this chemical that was blamed for um, thinning the bird eggs, including the bald eagle. And what's more un-American than that, than endangering right. the bald eagle? Um, the, the, what, unfortunately, what we've replaced DDT with is uh, neonicotinoids, which are uh, 7,000 times more toxic to bees than DDT is. So um, we've replaced one class of chemical with another, which is uh, you know, highly problematic. It kind of layers up in the environment, uh, seeps into soils, into waterways. It doesn't even stay in the plant that long. So it's one of the big frustrations for entomologists is it doesn't actually do much to improve yield of, of crops. It doesn't stay in the plant very long. So it in, instead kind of washes out into the environment where it's picked up by bees and butterflies and beetles and fish and birds and all kinds of all kinds of things. Um, so the European Union has been quite um, strong on that. Um, the US has been a little slower. There were moves under the Obama administration to ban them in national parks, but Donald Trump rolled back those uh, restrictions. Um, so there is a bit of a way to go, I feel, with um, uh, how how we view pesticides and their regulation in this country. You know, it, it, heretofore, we've always thought of uh, pesticide, well, not always, but, but partially thought of pesticides being a problem, uh, you know, within the agricultural stream because of, well, just the fact that, you know, it might be poisoning us, the, the, the person. I don't know that we ever considered the, the poor insect, you know, that sort of a never, never reaches our, our mind. Uh, but this is, as you say, this is part of a chain that could have huge effect if, if we don't take a take a look at it or and do something about it. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's one of the more kind of interesting parts of this book in writing this book for me was this kind of cultural aspect of how we view insects and our relationship with them, how that's completely um completely out of any kind of ratio with their importance i mean they are maybe the most important animals on earth to us i mean you could wipe out you know all the kind of beloved animals that we we all cherish uh, which would be horrendous such as tigers or rhinos or elephants i mean that would be a horrendous crime but um th that wouldn't that wouldn't imperil our food security you wouldn't you wouldn't see mass starvation if you got rid of tigers Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't see the breakdown of whole ecosystems, um, you know, plants withering away and trees withering away and dying if you if you got rid of elephants. Um, we should keep all of these things around, of course, but we should bear in mind the importance of insects because, you know, they pollinate a third of the food we eat. Um, we would be in a huge amount of trouble if, uh, if they de declined much faster. And the United Nations is worried, is already warning about the food security crisis that is looming this century because of a, an increase in global pop, human population at a time when pollination is becoming, uh, you know, harder to come by. It's becoming scarcer because bees and other pollinators are um, really struggling in the environment. So, yeah, we should we should really keep in mind insects as much as. Many of us are kind of grossed out by them. Um, we should we should be thinking about them when we are spraying things around. You know, that's a good point. You talk about the cultural aspects of, of the, that have fascinated you as you've written your book. The book being the insect crisis. We're talking with Oliver Millman, and 
I'm thinking, you know, I, I can recall way back in the 60s, maybe early 70s, a comic book, underground comic book called Insect Fear. And it depicted, you know, the usual thing I mean, when you're tripping away or whatever thing, the insect would have, you know, sort of a, be a hideous monster that uh, would, would to be avoided at all costs. And I'm not so sure that isn't the perception a lot of people have of insects in general, uh, that uh, just these, we just need to get them out, stamp them out, raid, you know, whatever it is, the spray on it and, and just kill it. And yet that attitude um, it's not, it's not, it's not the right attitude, is it? Right. There's the kind of countless comic books and movies that depict insects as monsters. You think about the David Cronenberg film, the fly where Jeff, Jeff oh, yeah. Goldblum turns into a fly. Sure. I mean, um, you don't have many heroes, uh, as insects, maybe ants, man is the exception yeah. to that rule. But, um, right. yeah, we, <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, you know, and and books as well. I mean, that is getting better. I mean, I do I do read the Hungry Caterpillar book to my my own children. But um, there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have got a long way to go with the the cultural aspect of them. You speak to entomologists who do outreach in schools, and they say, you know, kindergartners love insects. They think they're really cool. Their their abilities are incredible, and they they want to kind of see them and touch them and um, know more about them. But um, those same entomologists go back in high school, and the the kids are kind of grossed out by them. Um, they, yeah, if they think they're kind of revolting and they don't want anything to do with them. So obviously, it's it's a learned thing. We're not innately revolted by insects, although of course I think there is something triggering about seeing maggots, and uh, you want to avoid being bitten by a mosquito for a good reason in in parts of the world. Sure, but generally speaking, insects aren't harmful to us. They're far more beneficial to us than harmful, um, uh, and, and we are, we have taught ourselves, we're teaching our children that these are things to be pushed away from us i think that's uh, proving um, extremely damaging to um, uh, our own lives as well as as well as insects and you know i'm just thinking you know we've got another jurassic park movie coming out this summer and dinosaurs once again uh, you know um, rain and and yet when we think about that era the original dinosaurs or, or before them the insects were back there then uh, you know, we, we've had insects on this planet. Um, you know, they're they're often forgotten. I think the the dinosaurs' migration to the birds has been, you know, noted and and perhaps uh, you know emphasized. But the insects have been there all along, uh, sort of undercover, but uh, you know, forgotten. And maybe, unfortunately, now, uh, you know, we we don't want to see them go. Yeah. That's right. I mean, insects are the great survivors of our planet. If you think about their journey over the last 400 million years or so, they've survived five mass extinctions. Um, you know, they, they were here before the dinosaurs and they outlived the dinosaurs. We're now in what many scientists feel is the sixth mass extinction of life on this earth. The wow. first caused by a single species, which is us, unfortunately. Um, and insects, uh, it looks like they're facing their biggest challenge yet. I mean, there was an extinction that wiped out kind of, uh, you know, good 80, 90 percent of life on Earth. <laughs> um, insects managed to get through that. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like they've had challenging, not had challenging times in the past. But the combination of things that we're doing 
that really detrimentally impact insects is really proving a huge test to them. And, and like I say, they, they will endure in some form, but, but maybe not the form we want. Right. Uh, if we want bumblebees around, we want butterflies around, we want that uh, majestic monarch butterfly migration that sweeps down uh, into Mexico and, 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 and across from the, uh, the east and midwest to California each year. You want to keep that, you, 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 we're going to have to change some things uh, pretty, pretty drastically. Oliver Millman, the author of The Insect Crisis, we wish you the best. And uh, hopefully the message will get out and we'll be a little kinder to our insect friends here, um, especially in this country, because the United States uh, is, is a chief offender, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be particularly mean about the United States, but I mean, right. it is the country that has kind of pioneered this form of huge monocultural farming. You think about these huge fields in Iowa and other other places. Mm hmm. Or, or corn or wheat, uh, and it's doused in chemicals. Uh, there's nothing there for insects. It's created kind of huge wasteland if you're an insect looking at that. And mm -hmm. they've US has exported that model to other places. You're seeing Europe now where um, huge monocultural farming has become more uh, standardized than, than it once was. Um, and Africa and Asia may, may go down that route too. So, um, the U.S. has more to do, I would say. I mean, I would also say that there are lots of huge insect um, fans in the U.S., uh, people who will put, you know, food out for, for insects who will breathe them at home, who, you know, love bees, love butterflies, you know, fascinated about beetles. So I wouldn't like to write off all Americans at all. But, um, right. uh, 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 yeah, in terms of regulation and uh, the way uh, this country approaches farming, um, I think there's there's uh, there's certainly work to do. Very good, Oliver. We thank you for your time and wish you the best. And uh, uh, hang in there on the book tour. You, you're doing great work. <laughs> Thanks so much, Steve. All right, Appreciate take care. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye.